Let's pray before we dive in this morning. Father, we come before you just wanting to be taught by you and your spirit. We thank you for your goodness. We behold you as our God. And Lord, have your will be done in our lives this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Um, We live in unprecedented times. Have you guys heard that phrase over the past couple years? Uh, Whether it is actually true or not, we do in fact live in a unique time. And so much has happened in our world over the past couple years. And so I've gathered some headlines to give us a brief glimpse into some of these events. So first, in January of 2020, quote, the CDC reports first U.S. case of coronavirus from China. This was a man from Seattle, Washington in his 30s, and I don't need to explain much more for you. After millions of cases and deaths, after billions of vaccine doses and trillions of disagreements over the whole thing, the pandemic has altered our lives in a way that nothing else has since 9-11. Next, in May of 2020, quote, unrest mounts across multiple U.S. cities over the death of George Floyd. Also well documented, his death sparked peaceful protests and violent riots that lasted all summer. Like the pandemic, his death and the Black Lives Matter movement has sparked division between cities, races, political parties, and even among families. Also in 2020, in November, quote, Biden wins presidency. Trump denied second term in White House, Fox News projects. This was an election unlike any other election, at least in my lifetime. And whether you voted for Biden or you voted for Trump, it was an election of anger, of fear, and of anxiety. Following the election, January 6, 2021, quote, U.S. Capitol riots leave five dead, 70 arrested, D.C. police. Protesters found their way to the Capitol building, and they stormed it, and multiple are left dead in their wake. In August of 2021, quote, at least 13 U.S. service members killed in Kabul airport attack. The U.S. government decides to withdraw from Afghanistan after being there for 20 years. The withdrawal does not go well. A bomb goes off at the airport, killing many, including U.S. service members. Fast forward to 2022 in February, quote, Russia invades Ukraine in largest European attack since World War II. The news of this was almost unbelievable. There was a war in Europe. And lastly, in May of this year, quote, gunmen at Texas Elementary School kills 19 students and two adults before being fatally shot, officials say. 19 elementary students. Really? Why? What would would lead someone to do that? I share all of this to show you the reality of the world that we live in. And just to be clear, I'm not making any political statements with any of these. This is just the water that we are currently swimming in. And all of these major news events and our awareness of them because of the media, along with the addiction to our smartphones, to social media, and to our streaming services, it's no wonder that we are the most anxious people in recorded human history. 
and the research backs this up, if you look at a chart, anxiety, depression, and even suicide rates increase significantly after a few years after the release of the smartphone and social media around 10 to 12 years ago now. And in working with teenagers and people in their 20s for over a decade now, I can confidently say that we are an anxious generation and that we are an anxious culture. And so what I believe are the, some of the external factors contributing to our anxiety is this, and this may be over, oversimplified, but it is this cultural chaos plus digital distraction equals an anxious presence. And I know there is a needed nuance when it comes to anxiety. It seems that some may have a chemical imbalance in their brain that is outside of their control. And so what I'm discussing in this specific teaching is anxiety in our hearts and our minds produced by our sin. But I do want to say, even for those who possibly have anxieties for reasons outside of their control, there is hope to slowly change that over time. So what do we do? While we have many opportunities to be anxious, to be worried, to be stressed, Jesus says there is another way. And so the heartbeat behind this message is this. Jesus calls us to be a non-anxious presence through the practice of silence and solitude. Jesus calls us to be a non-anxious presence in a world filled with anxiety by slowing down and focusing on God himself. If this is true, how do we get there? Uh, Turn with me to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, as we continue our sermon series in the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew 6, starting in verse 25, Jesus says, and Matthew writes this, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon, who was the richest man of his day, in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, which is used here to describe their frailty and their finite nature, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. In verse 33, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Jesus calls us to be a non-anxious presence This idea and phrase of a non-anxious presence originally comes from a Jewish rabbi named Edwin Friedman in a book that he wrote on leadership. And since then, many Christian pastors and authors have taken it to describe Jesus. 
um, primarily because of this very passage. This passage is the definition of non-anxiousness, if that's a word. And as we look at Jesus' life, we see him being at peace during extremely stressful and anxious times. Think about this. In the midst of a storm at sea, he's asleep in a boat on a cushion, a non-anxious presence, while on the way to heal a little girl who is almost about to die. He is interrupted by a woman who had been bleeding for 12 years, and he interacts with her instead of being in a hurry and dismissing her, a non-anxious presence. After his moment in the garden with the Father, he is calm during his trial. He is steadfast during his beating, and he forgives the people killing him while he's on the cross. This is a man who was the definition of a non-anxious presence. And the opposite of this would be an anxious presence. That person who is talking with you, but not really listening. That person who is always looking around and moving a person who is constantly pulling out their phone and checking it, just busy and distracted and absent, rarely present to the here and now, rarely present to the moment. But like Jesus, I want to be rooted and grounded in the midst of chaos all around me. And so once again, Matthew 6, I want to point out two things about this passage. Okay, so first, Most of this passage is about Jesus' encouragement to look at nature to fight anxiety. And second, we'll look at his encouragement to seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All right, so let's start at the beginning. The first word is therefore. This is connected to the previous passage. Okay, Jesus is continuing his teaching on the passage that Brian looked at last week. We cannot serve both God and money. Money makes a terrible master. God is a good master. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Scholars point out that food and clothing were used here by Jesus to talk about survival, the basic needs for a human. And according to a researcher for the Chosen series, get this, for a first century Jewish person, food made up to 50% of their budget, okay? And even better, a nice new cloak could cost as much as an entire year's salary. It is much different than... So Jesus is saying that God will sustain your life. You don't need to worry about what you will eat or what you will wear. He says, look at the birds of the air. Look at the lilies of the fields. God takes care of them. And how much more valuable to God are you than birds and flowers? Because of mass production, the cost of food and clothes, even with inflation, yes, for most of us, these aren't life and death stresses. And so for this reason, I want to focus on some things that I do believe cause us anxiety. For example, the 24-7 news cycle that makes money on promoting fear. 
the addiction to our devices that we use as pacifiers to escape reality, our concerns over non-essential material possessions, our status and reputation in our community, the successes or failures of our children, our school or our work. Whether it's any, any of these or food or clothing, I think the solution is still the same. Look at nature. Look at God's goodness in creation. He cares for his creation. He said that it was good. And he cares for you even more because after creating humans, he said that it was very good. So let me ask you a question. When was the last time you were truly in nature? In a space where you could do a 360 degree turn and not see anything man-made. It's helpful. It's where we as humans came from, right? We started in a garden. And most of us never experienced this though. We're distracted by cities. The problem is cities are designed by man to make much of man and provide convenience for us. Nature is designed by God to make much of God and to make us realize that we need God. Think about it this way. Within just a few blocks in this small town, I made a list. We can fill up our car with gas. We can get our coffee fixed, we can visit a doctor, we can go out to lunch, we can visit our financial advisor, we can get adjusted by our chiropractor, we can get our oil changed, withdraw some money out of the bank, get our hair cut, buy some furniture, buy some clothes, and then pick up our groceries for dinner. We can do all of this within a couple of blocks, and this isn't bad. Okay, this is just the nature of a city. Over time, though, the problem is we begin to think that we are self-sufficient, We think we don't need God because as long as we have just a little bit of money, we have everything we need right in front of us. However, if you go out in nature, we're confronted with the reality of, wow, there is so much more to life. God has created all of this and he has created me. And I am completely dependent on him for every breath that I take. When we stop long enough for this to happen inside of our hearts and our minds, we begin to understand verse 33. Look at verse 33. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first the reality where God is in charge and he is king. Seek first his righteousness. Seek first his goodness and justice in your life and the world around you. And when this happens, when we do this, what you need, what we need will be provided for us. And what we need primarily is God himself. And then verse 34, do not be anxious about tomorrow for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. After reading this whole passage, we come to the end and we see how this verse can finally make sense. Don't be anxious about tomorrow. Don't be anxious about the future. The future can be anxious for itself. Focus on today. Focus on the here and now because there is enough to keep you occupied with that. 
And let me just say, this text is not saying things will just take care of themselves and they will fall into place and everything will be okay. The reason I say that is because the man who spoke these words, he was murdered. And so no, Jesus is saying that you can live with a certain detachment to the world and its cares, knowing that God is good and that God is with you. While the world around you may be in chaos, while CNN and Fox News are telling you that the world has never been worse and the other side is the enemy and is out to ruin your lives, the spirit who lives inside of us allows for inner peace. Jesus calls us to be a non-anxious presence. This topic is a personal one for me to teach on. As some of you know, at many different times in my life, I have struggled with anxiety. And not like anxiety and nervousness that you get before you take a test or before you go out on a first date or before a big sports game but anxiety that is crippling. In June of 2018, I was preparing to preach on a passage in Corinthians. And that week, I could not, for the life of me, shut my brain off. I lived inside of my head that caused paralyzing anxiety. I was obsessing over every single detail. And for me, when I'm anxious, I know it's bad when I cannot fall asleep at night. And so that Thursday night, I went to bed shortly after 10 o'clock, and I tossed and turned for two and a half hours, and I didn't fall asleep till 12.30. Friday night, I went to bed somewhere between 10 and 11. I don't exactly remember, but I didn't fall asleep until 1.30. And then on Saturday night, I went to bed shortly after getting done with the cabin. And I found myself outside on my back patio at 3.30 in the morning asking God, why? Why can't I sleep? Why can't I quiet the noise in my head? What is the source of this feeling? What is the source of my current anxiety? And can I just say that he has been so kind and so gentle. The past four years have been a journey for me towards freedom from anxiety. Through many different people, even in this very room, he has taught me so many things. And I want to share some of that with you. He showed me my sin in seeking the approval of others. He showed me that when life is busy, get this, the practices of Jesus can't be the first thing to go and instead need to be the first things that I go to. Also, in some weird sort of way, he showed me that anxiety can be a gift. It's not meant to be suppressed, thrown aside, or disregarded. It's a flashing light on the dashboard of my heart saying something is not right, saying your heart and your mind are not focused on me, focused on God and his kingdom. 
He began to show me what it looked like to slow down. To be busy, yes, but never in a hurry. To be present, but never distracted. He invited me into a different lifestyle, and I'll be honest, an uncomfortable one at first. As someone who loves production and accomplishment, but this lifestyle is one of freedom in the long run. And so I would love to recommend many different ways to apply this teaching this morning, but I want to focus on one. Jesus calls us to be a non-anxious presence through the practice of silence and solitude. So what is silence and solitude? There are many definitions. My definition is this, quieting the external and internal noise in our lives to both listen and speak to God. This practice of coming before God in literal silence and communing with him in prayerful solitude. In a world filled with news headlines that cause anxiety, we all need silence and solitude. In a world where we live for the approval of others, we need to understand God's view of us through the practice of silence and solitude. In a world filled with digital distraction, we all need to put down the devices and instead choose silence and solitude. I wonder if the greatest threat to us as Christians is not the progressive sexual ethic, it's not the love of money, and no, it's not even communism, but it's instead simply just being distracted, just being too busy to be with Jesus that then causes anxiety because we're not truly abiding in him. My next statement, there is no shame or guilt in this, but when I ask people, how are you doing? You know the answer, right? I'm good, I'm just, just really, really busy. Or I'm good, I'm just really, really tired and overwhelmed. And I just want to gently ask, does it have to be that way? I know there are seasons of life. I'm, I'm in one of them right now. But does it have to be that way? In writing about busyness and distraction versus silence and solitude, Ronald Rollheiser writes this, quote, Because of our devices, there never needs to be any silence and solitude in our lives. And so get this. We end up as good people, but as people who are not very deep. Not bad, just busy. Not immoral, just distracted. Not lacking in soul, just preoccupied. Not disdaining depth, just never doing the things to get us there. Can that be said about your life? Can that be said about our lives? You're a good person. You just don't want to go deep. You're not bad and immoral. You're just busy and distracted. Maybe you're not even against depth. You're just not willing to do the work to get there. I want to say that Jesus was the opposite. And he modeled this for us. In Mark 1.35, we read this, quote, And rising very early in the morning while it was still dark, Jesus departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. In Luke 5.15, we read, But Jesus would withdraw to desolate places and pray. 
Jesus practiced silence and solitude, and sometimes he did this in nature. He withdrew to the wilderness, to desolate places, to spend time in communion and prayer with the Father. Corey Russell writes about the wilderness, nature, and desolate places. Look at this quote. Throughout the Bible, we see that God chooses again and again to form his people in the wilderness. It is the furnace of transformation. The place where our facades, illusions, fantasies, and props are removed. And we come face to face with our nothingness. In the wilderness, God strips us of our independence and rebellion and teaches us to depend on him. So, this week, if you identify with any of this, regardless of what your source of anxiety is, willingly choose silence and solitude. And if you can, do it in a place where you see God's creation. Shut off the external noise. Find yourself in ringing silence and see what happens. And it may be uncomfortable at first, and that's okay. Back in June of 2018, I never had silence. I always had a podcast, sports game, music, something going on externally. But the problem was it was hiding what was going on internally. Because when we have external noise, our internal noise is silence. But when we willingly choose to silence our external noise by taking out our earbuds, by turning off the TV, by turning off the radio, we're confronted with the reality of who we really are. Thoughts rise to the surface of our mind that make us want to turn the TV back on, but that's not what we need. That's not where growth and maturity are found. Growth and maturity begin with confronting who we really are before a perfect God. And in the short term, it's easier not to do this, right? It's very true sometimes that ignorance is bliss. But if we remain ignorant as to what is going on inside of us, we'll remain immature as well. Because ignorance keeps us in immaturity. And so just try it for a few minutes. Don't try and be a rock star from the beginning if this is new to you. Maybe just start by turning off your radio in your car on the way to work or school. And then work your way up to getting up five minutes early and sitting before God in silent prayer. And let me be clear, unlike Eastern religions, the idea isn't just to silence the noise and detach from the world, okay? The goal for us as followers of Jesus is to silence the external noise and connect with God who sustains our life. And I know if, if you do attempt to do this this week, the temptation will be just to read your Bible the whole time. And that's awesome, and that's great. That's just a different spiritual discipline. Maybe read a few verses or a chapter to get you going, but this is different. And also, this isn't a time to pray for other people and ask God for a laundry list of things. But this is a time to ask God for himself. And when you do this, you'll become aware of some things going on inside of you. And some of you are so much better at this than me, and you don't need my help. But I want to share some common prayers that have helped me. For example, when I'm not content, I pray the Lord is my shepherd. 
I shall not want. When I'm struggling with control and anxiety, I pray, Jesus, I give everyone and everything to you. When I'm just simply overwhelmed, I pray, be still and know that you are God. When I feel angry or bitter, I pray, Jesus, have mercy on me, a sinner. When I feel shame or guilt, I pray there is no condemnation because I am in Christ Jesus. And when I simply just need more of God because of my sin and my selfishness, I pray, Father, show me your goodness. This may seem weird and uncomfortable for some of us, and once again, that's, that's okay. But Jesus often withdrew to desolate places to be in silence, to be in solitude, to be in prayer with the Father. And if Jesus did it, then I want to do it too. And so to close, former CBS News anchor Dan Rather interviewed Mother Teresa years ago. I love this. He asked her, when you pray, what do you say to God? And she replied, I don't say anything. I listen. Confused, he said, okay, so when God speaks to you, what does he say? And she said, he doesn't say anything. He listens. And then she paused and said, and if you don't understand that, then I can't explain it to you. Let's pray. For our closing prayer, um, I just want to read Philippians 4, verses 4 through 7 over us. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, all human comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.